the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your power. The only other time this statement is ever made is in Matthew chapter 25. And so kind of in my introductory part here, I'm going to jump over there. And in Matthew 25, uh, Jesus given the parable that he has given this money out, money, stock bonds, I don't know, stock in Microsoft. I don't know what it was. He gives five portions of it to one guy. He gives two portions of it to another guy. And he gives one portion to another guy. And it isn't the amounts that have anything to do with the blessings of God. It's the fact that one guy doesn't invest the money, doesn't do something for the Lord. The obvious parallel, and sometimes we try to draw one illustration from a statement in the Bible. And yet I find that many times, most times, there are many applications to something in the Word of God. We certainly can apply it to us as, as a, a group, a congregation, uh, that we are to invest in souls, uh, missions, uh, doing things for our community. The, uh, the hot rod show uh, is, 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 is opening up and allowing the community to say, hey, that church likes hot rods. Uh, we do. Ooh, ooh. I'm a little hot rodder. But uh, in other words, uh, uh, we're open to, to, we want to be a part of this community. And, and so that is going on. And so uh, uh, to, to the guy with the, the, the five parts that he invests, he said, uh, the Lord said unto him, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And then he says the same thing down in verse 23 to the next guy. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. I say to you today, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. That's our power. That's our strength. And, uh, uh, that's something that we get miraculously. We have something that the world doesn't give us this joy. The world attempts to take this joy from you. The devil can't have your soul. You understand that? It belongs to you. Ephesians 4.30 tells us that your soul is sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. And the devil cannot undo that seal. He can't take your soul. Once you have given your heart to the Lord, once you have prayed and asked him to come into your heart and be your Lord and Savior, and if you've never done that, today is your day. He can't have it. The only thing he can take from us is our joy. Many times, We've sat in a hospital trying to encourage somebody as their loved one was stepping over into glory or into eternity. And I've actually tried to minister this family and they end up ministering to me. And the way they minister to me is that I see that joy that passes understanding. I, I see there's something there with them uh, that is different than what the world has to offer. 
You see, we do have a joy that passes all understanding. We have a joy that lifts us up regardless of what is going on in our life. When things are down and when pressure upon us, the joy of the Lord is your power. It's your strength. In the Hebrew, it means a fortress, a stronghold, a castle. And uh, when they're saying the joy is your Lord, uh, of the Lord is your strength here, they're saying, you know, like the walls have been re-put up around us in the city of Jerusalem to strengthen us and give us security, the joy of the Lord is what God does for each and every individual one of us. Several years ago, I had the privilege of going with six other pastors to Cuba to preach there for 15 days in some churches. We always laugh and said we did a 15-day revival in five days because we were arrested for preaching the gospel and thrown in jail and kicked out of the country. You guys realize that Cuba is a godless country, you know, with a where Castro back then basically said, I am God. One of the things that interested me there was the joy that those people have. We would, if we were in a church like this, the people would be sitting literally on the floor right here. Every pew against the walls and 20 deep out that door. And there would be communist agents dispersed through the, co the congregation. And at the end of the preaching, we would give an invitation for people to get saved. Now, you couldn't ask them to come forward. They'd all come forward. And so they would be asked to stand by the Cuban pastors. And they would stand all over. And they would interrogate them. Why are you standing? I want to receive Jesus as my Savior. Why do you want to save? You know, they would go through this whole questioning thing. And then they would pray verbally, out loud, standing up in the congregation with all the people looking at them and they would pray and ask the Lord to come into their heart and be their personal savior. And when they did that, their names were written down and their rice coupons were taken from them. No food. And I saw a joy in their hearts that was their strength. It was their power. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have debit cards. They didn't have money. One of the pastor's son there, in order to make money for their home so they could survive, would take tomatoes. And I don't even know where he got them. I guess he grew them. He would mash them up and pour that into Coke bottles. And we took him a couple thousand bottle caps, and a bottle capper. One of the pastors I was with got. 
and gave that to him so he could put a bottle cap on his tomato uh, ketchup that he was selling. It, it was like you gave me one of the hot rods yesterday. I mean, it was the greatest thing he'd ever seen. The joy. Now, here's my point in all of that. Their joy wasn't in the material possessions that we have gone crazy over here in this country. It was in God. They didn't need that other stuff. They didn't have the other stuff, but they didn't need the other stuff. I was out, I had been, I got a mesic dysentery in Cuba. And you don't want to have that. I think I took 36 Imodium pills in a 24-hour period and nothing happened. And finally, after I was home for eight days, the doctor said, if you're not something's going good for you tomorrow, you're going in the hospital, and thank God things changed. So when we were there, they were going to cook some food for us, and a guy had a pickup with a, 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 a cab over the back of it, uh, like a camper shell. And uh, inside of there, there was a leg of pork hanging, and it was dripping blood on the floor, and it smelled bad. And I helped him unload it, and that was going to be our meal. And so when it came time, I was speaking in a Bible college there. When it came time for dinner that night, they wanted to feed it, and believe me, that was a great sacrifice to have that piece of meat. They don't get that. I told the guys I'm with, I'm, I'm going to go out on the street. I don't want to offend these guys uh, while we're having dinner because I'm afraid if I eat that, I'll get sick and I won't be able to preach. And I was the speaker that night. And so I went out on the street and it was a very beautiful little town in Cuba and it had a promenade down the middle of the street going up one side and down the other, uh, cars. And by the way, I saw tanks and military pieces of equipment at elementary schools because they knew we couldn't bomb them there. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm out on the street and I talk to everybody. I can't help myself. And I saw a nice looking young lady sitting on a bench over here with a guy and I went over and said, hi, how you doing? And I didn't know she was a prostitute. And the guy there was her, the guy that runs her. And so they thought I was making a date. And I realized <laughs> what was going on. So I said, uh, 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 no. And so the guy got mad. And uh, just then they came out and said, preacher, come on in. We're, the church is starting. You're going to be late. You're the speaker. So I ran up and said, you too. Come, come with me. Come to church. And he went, <clears throat> and he walked off down the street, and she followed me in. Sat back there on that back row, preacher. I preached. I don't even remember what I preached. And by the same thing, packed out. When the invitation was given, I don't know what was said in Spanish because I had an interpreter. But she came forward, and they started singing, and she just came walking down the aisles, and she knelt down, and I was up on a higher platform. It was a nice church, about this size. 
And a, right away, two women came, one on each side. And she asked Jesus to come into her heart, tears dripping. She looked up at me, and maybe the only English word she knows, I don't know, she said, thank you. And she had a joy, probably for the first time in her life. And the joy that she had was the joy of the Lord. And it became her strength. And it became her power. I could go on and on. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tell one more. I guess share this very often. I spoke in a Bible college, and one of the subjects I was asked to speak on was soul winning. And I was having a holy fit, jumping around and speaking to these uh, young pastors. Or some of them were older. They had come in to uh, to to listen to us and learn, because uh, they have no they have no colleges or anything like that over there. And there was one guy, and he was sitting here, and I saw him. He made eye contact with me in a special way several times. That night, I was supposed to speak at this church running about uh, 1,500. The last I heard, they are running 3,000. This is a communist country. The pastor of that church, I went, uh, I had supper in his house, and I asked to wash my hands, and he took me to the bathroom, which was upstairs on top, and there was no walls and no roof, just a sink and a toilet sitting up there. And I said, uh, are you building, are you still building? He said, oh, he laughed. He said, no, through an interpreter. And uh, he said, uh, our church got successful, and so the soldiers came and knocked the top off my building. And I said, how long ago did that happen? And he said, 12 years ago. And he said, and then they came and tore the road up like they were going to redo it. And I said, how long did that happen? And he said, 12 years ago. I'm standing in the foyer of that church, and I'm shaking hands with the guy, and, I, and we got to talking, and, and I said, is your wife here? He said, no, she works at the hospital. So I'm my mind, I'm sorry, I'm thinking, you know, she's a, you know, clean-up lady or something. I said, well, what's your wife do there? And he said, oh, she's a gynecologist. I said, oh, she's a medical doctor, yes, and she can't be here tonight. She wanted to be here to hear you preach. Oh, that is interesting. So they asked me to go in a room with these other preachers I was with and telling us what all was going to take place at night. Place is packed out. And they were, because I'm speaking, they were throwing questions at me. And one of the men I was with said, what about that little church out, in the, out there in the country? And one of the guys that was kind of organized this group had been there several times in Cuba said, well, we, Ron, we can't, we can't be everywhere. We just can't be everywhere. We can just do what we can do. And the Holy Spirit said to me, you go preach in that church. And I said, there's 1,500 people here, Lord. There could, there's going to be a lot of people saved tonight, maybe hundreds. And he said, you're going to do what I want you to do, or you're going to do what you want to do? I said, hold on, fellas. They were almost arguing about that little church. I said, God just told me to go to that church. And they said, well, who's preaching here tonight? I said, you are. And I went, and they said, well, go get in that pickup. And there was a pickup out there, a little Datsun pickup. 
with about six guys in the back, and I climbed in on top of them, and off we went two hours out into nowhere. And when we got there, the pastor was trying to fix his gate, and he was welding it, and he had part of an old generator, real generator, not an alternator. And he had taken that apart, and he'd hooked two alligator wires on it, and they ran it up to the electrical wire, and he was trying to arc weld, and it was blowing fire everywhere. And he looked up at me and smiled, and I, no, I couldn't speak to him because I didn't know Spanish, he didn't know uh, English. I was waiting for an interpreter to come. By the way, my interpreter that night, the lady was uh, a, a, one of the active members of this little church, was uh, uh, English, she taught English uh, at the college, at the Cuban Communist College and uh, some other subjects. So she interpreted to him. When she got there, he looked up and smiled, said something to her, and she said, uh, he said, uh, I knew you were coming tonight. I didn't even prepare a message tonight because I knew God was going to send you to me. I was overwhelmed. And by the way, we, I'm waiting for church to start. It's supposed to start at 6, didn't start. supposed to start at 7, didn't start. Started at 8, didn't start. Because they kept coming. They're walking for hours to come to church. Again, this much room for me to speak. Jammed people. I don't know how many got saved to gob that night. Uh, I, I'm, I, I hope and I'm trying to express and not just tell stories here that the joy of the Lord was their strength. It's your strength. You don't have to be a Cuban to have that kind of power. You can have, God has blessed America. Hallelujah. Enjoy the blessings. Don't take them for granted, but enjoy them because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And I think I'm afeard that we've had it so good so long that we forget. I, I hope I hadn't read this here. One of my preacher friends, it was one of my dear, dear friends like they are, is now in glory. And this was one of the, his sayings that I stole from him one time when I was preaching in his church. I love it. it, it I don't want to be this. Three dollars worth of God. Wilbur Reese writes, I would like to buy $3 worth of God. Please, not enough to explode my soul or disturb my sleep, just enough to equal a cup of warm milk or a snooze in the sunshine. I don't want enough of him to make me love someone of another culture or enough to make me pick beets with a migrant. I want ecstasy, not transformation. I want the warmth of the womb, not a new birth. I want a pound of the eternal in a paper sack. I would like to buy $3 worth of God, please. We can get that way here because we've been blessed so much that I have to think back on those Cubans. And by the way, when we got there, we... We had a hotel out of town, very beautiful piece of property, back up this driveway. 
And I was, the first night we were there, I was supposed to preach in this church. So we all piled in this car, seven of us in a little van, and we took off out up the drive. I said, oh, look, all those policemen are over there, all those flashing lights. They must have a wreck. Good thing we're not back there. Well, as soon as we pulled out on the main road, they, they were waiting for us. And they pulled over and uh, detained us. And they were hauling everybody in. And so all this is going on in Spanish. And uh, one of the guys, they said, uh, well, we can't leave the car. What if someone steals it? They said, can this guy stay with the car? And they looked at me and they said, who's he? And they said, well, he's a preacher from America. They said, okay, he can stay with the car. So the guys leaned in and said, as soon as we get out of here, uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but maybe you can get to that church and preach for them. And I'm sitting there thinking, what's going on here? So I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Another guy, one of the guys comes out and says, don't say a word, don't look up, don't do nothing, grab your Bible and follow me and let's walk. start walking down the road. And this is about two hours later and we walked blocks and blocks down the road to this little church. I could hear the music coming as we come down the street. And about six or seven of the leading men in the church and the preacher, that's a guy whose son had the Coke bottles eventually, were standing out in the street and they hugged me and they laughed and they rejoiced with me and they said, watch what you say. The walls have ears in Cuba. And finally, five days after we're Everywhere we preached, I think we had 300 people saved in five days. And uh, when they finally did arrest us for preaching, and uh, after they'd interrogated us for 10 or 15 hours, I don't remember, uh, it was a long thing. Some general and a young guy had a hammer and sickle on a red T-shirt. I could see death in his eyes. He had on Russian jump boots. And they were uh, trying to trip us up, make us say something they could use against us. And uh, finally they said, uh, get on the airplane tomorrow, which was Wednesday, and leave Cuba. And one of the guys said, well, that plane will be full. Can we take the plane Friday? They wanted to get some information to these pastors. And the guy said, if you don't get on that airplane, you'll never leave Cuba again. I told the guys, if I have to sit on the wing, I'm gone, man. I'm getting on that thing. And uh, uh, so <laughs> that was, uh, there were many, many, many other experiences. Oh, I've got to tell you one more. <laughs> Jose Ramos is our friend from up in the northwest in Yakima. And he was in the car. I wasn't with him. And, and they were driving down the road and the car quit. And so they went and knocked on some doors to find somebody had a phone so we could call and, and, and get some help for the car. And they knocked on the door and a woman answered the door and uh, uh, he explained what had happened and they said, well, what are you doing in Cuba? And he said, well, we're preachers from America and we're here preaching. And she started crying and fell on her knees and weeped and cried and was praising to God. And she said, uh, uh, I've been praying for years and years and years and years that somebody would come to this little town and start a church. And eventually, Jose and some other guys started a church in that little town and went out and said, well, let's try the car again and start it right up. 
And people will say, oh, you're just getting having a Holy Ghost fit or something. The gospel is real. It is the power. It's your fortress. It's your strength. I want to read you one time a little bit more. I can't help but go here with this. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Wherefore, seeing we are also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. <laughs> That's so hard. The race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the power of God. The joy of the cross Anyone that's been a Christian in any length of time understands this, but let me reiterate it. He drove spikes through his hands and his feet, and they whipped him. Isaiah tells us that you couldn't recognize him as a human being. They pulled his beard out of his face. They spit upon him. They shoved that crown of thorns on his head because they were poisonous, nasty, wicked things like a pyracantha bush. I'm sure they dug him in. The joy that Jesus felt was the fact that he took my sin from me and placed it on that cross with himself. And the father had to turn his back on the son in that moment when he became my sin and your sin and every bad deed, every bad thought, every wicked thing we had done was placed upon Jesus Christ and he became my atonement substitutionary death that I could be seen by God as he sees his son whole and clean without sin. And the Bible says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Come in to the joy of the Lord this morning. Let's pray. Father, it just seems like yesterday, all those years ago, when I knelt down at a coffee table in my living room with a preacher across from it and an open Bible showing me these truths. And I can so remember I didn't understand, I didn't know the theology of it, all I knew was I wanted this Jesus 
for my Savior, and I prayed and asked him into my heart. And God, for those that are here today and have never actually prayed and asked Jesus into their heart, God, help them to understand not we don't expect them to stand and pray out loud in a large congregation like they did in Cuba. But it would be nice if you would come forward and kneel down here and allow us to open the Bible and show them Jesus. And Father, maybe stress, extreme agony, sickness, many things rob us of our joy. Today, would you be willing to come forward and kneel down and say, Father, allow me to enjoy and have the power and strength of your joy back in my heart today. In Jesus' name. You know, as we reverently stand for a minute, would you just stand with me? Would you be willing to come and kneel here at the front of this church? I know we don't do that like we used to, but maybe you need the joy back in your heart. Would you come and kneel? Maybe you'd say, I'm not sure I know Jesus as my Savior. Oh, come, let us open the Bible. Just come and kneel. Amen, right here. Yes. How about you today? Is the joy missing because of the first pressure? And we need to help one another. We need to love one another and help one another get our joy back. It's our power. It's our strength.